Hey, what's up, guys? I'm Taylor Rapp, former Washington Husky defensive back, and you are tuned in to the Circling Seattle Sports Podcast. Welcome back, my friends, to another episode of the Circling Seattle Sports Podcast. I am your host, as always, Charles Hammaker. Today, uh, I've got a pretty busy week to recap. Um, quite a lot going on, even up to today and just a couple hours from uh, before I started recording this. So, uh, you know, let's get into it. Uh, first off, the story that's still kind of developing, uh, Jadavion Clowney, obviously, former Seahawk, uh, reportedly signed with the Tennessee Titans for a deal worth uh, one year, uh, $12 million. But then about 14 minutes ago, I see a thing from Josina Anderson uh, has told her that he has not made a decision and the teams are still calling. So obviously, you know, that would be a major focal point of, you know, not only the offseason, but what I was about to say. But if uh, the whole I'll just get into my segment on him, uh, you know, it was reported earlier in the week that he could make a potential uh, signing decision uh, soon, uh, you know, with the Saints making a hard push to acquire him, sending out Sean Payton to go and meet with him. Uh, and two other teams are said to be in the mix. One of them was Tennessee. Um, but it had been, you know, reported that some teams were not able to actually, you know, contact him saying he wasn't answering the phone. Um, so it's it's kind of an interesting saga. I mean, obviously, it would have been nice to re-sign him. But, and see, even me saying that, I don't even know if he's technically signed yet with the Titans because it said he's expected to sign with them. You know, and that's not a surefire thing. Uh, it was reported also that he would sign after the cut deadline just because teams would get more money uh, from getting rid of some of those contracts. But uh, kind of right now, it's up in the air. Uh, I haven't necessarily gotten my hopes up. I mean, you know, if the Seahawks wanted to sign him, I'm sure they could have uh, if they really wanted to just go for it. But it seems that they've been hesitant for whatever reason. Um so, you know, that we'll see what's going to go on with that. Uh, a big thing also was today was this Saturday, the fifth was cut day for the NFL to get down to the 53-man roster. And the Seahawks uh, made the following moves, terminating veteran contracts of wide receiver Paul Richardson. Obviously, you know, was drafted by the team out of Colorado. Um, had some solid years here, just, you know, kind of got derailed with injuries and then went to Washington. Uh, same thing happened there. And then obviously... Last week, bringing him. Last week, bringing him back. But Pete Carroll, uh, in a press conference after one of the practices, kind of said that you know he wasn't, he didn't sound too enthusiastic about what he'd seen from him. So you know that might have been an indicator. And obviously, this team, uh, with some some news that I'll break here in a second. Uh, well, I'll just say it. Josh Gordon resigning with the team for a deal worth over a million dollars. Uh, after he gets reinstated by the NFL, obviously that probably impacted it. But at the same time, it's not exactly sure when Josh Gordon will be reinstated by the league. He could be ready for week one if he gets reinstated soon. But, you know, it's he might show up around week two or three just because, you know, obviously he'd have to get reinstated first. But, you know, he hasn't been with the team for camp and all that. So might take a little bit there. Uh, they also terminated the veteran contract of fullback slash linebacker Nick Ballore. Nick Ballore, I say slash linebacker because he's played linebacker with the Lions before. Uh and then the team waived the following players, tackle Tommy Champion, defensive tackle DeMarcus Christmas, quarterbacks Danny Etling and Anthony Gordon, 
uh, both of Anthony Gordon's probably got to watch. If he clears waivers, he might be somebody that is a practice squad target because in the past the team has kept the third quarterback in the roster on the practice squad. Uh, wide receiver Aaron Fuller, former Husky. Uh, linebacker Shaquem Griffin. That is a cut that I've mentioned earlier uh, that I didn't want to see just because he's a guy that has provided speed and some flash off the edge in terms of pass rushing. And I felt like given the right opportunities, he could drive. But obviously, you know, at this point, he's up to waivers. Uh, so it could, you know, he could clear waivers and, you know, bring him back on the practice squad or something. But um, obviously, someone else could take a flyer on him. So kind of right now, it's a wait and see thing. I believe that we'll find out tomorrow on Sunday the 6th. Um, but, you know, I was kind of bummed out when I heard that because that was one of the notable ones that started off. Uh, wide receiver Penny Hart, cornerback Gavin Helslop, defensive tackle PJ Johnson, uh, defensive tackle Cedric Lattimore, wide receiver Lance Lenore, tight end Tyler Mabry, uh, safety Chris Miller, DB Ryan Neal, cornerback Debion Renfro, defensive back Jason Stanley, tight end Stephen Sullivan, uh, wide receiver Cody Thompson, and offensive tackle Chad Wheeler. Obviously, uh, you know, Cut day is kind of the day normally when Seahawks fans uh, get a little agony that their fan favorite guy from preseason or camp has been cut. Um, but it's it's interesting because you don't have that preseason to look at this year. Uh, so, you know, a lot of undrafted guys not necessarily getting their chances or in lower round guys. So, you know, kind of sucks. But uh, right now, we're just kind of wait and see who will be brought back for you know to be on the practice squad. I I I really really like it if we were able to bring Shaquille back, you know, because obviously I'd feel like Shaquille Griffin, cornerback who is currently in a contract year, uh, you'd have to figure that that would be an important piece for him to see how the team handles that. So we'll uh, you you think I don't know I'm not Shaquille I don't have that you know. I don't know what he's thinking about it right now, but you know, you'd you'd have to think that he has some sort of uh, thinking towards that. So, uh, to continue on with the Josh Gordon thing, uh, both sides had shown interest uh, throughout the offseason in a reunion, and they uh, finally got able to come together and make that happen. Uh, moving on, the team also signed former top draft pick and former Seattle Seahawks defensive end Demontre Moore. Uh, he played a little bit with us in 2016 and previously played for the Giants, Dolphins, Cowboys, Raiders, and 49ers. Played for the 49ers in 2019. Uh, kind of brings some defensive line depth, but obviously not being able to get Clowney was a, sort of a big you know, impact. Not getting Clowney, not getting a guy like Everson Griffin or Yannick Ngakwe. Uh, so I know I was optimistic earlier, you know, having guys like Alton Robinson, Daryl Taylor come in, uh, from you know the draft or Bruce Irvin or Benson Miawa, uh in free agency, but uh, and I, I still like guys like Rasheem Green and L.J. Collier. Uh, hopefully, well, I like Rasheem Green. Hopefully, L.J. Collier is you know able to make that jump, but you know, kind of uh, missing out right now in the defensive line category because you've got all world talent and you know, and this isn't any shade on. Uh, our defensive tackles, you know, those guys, I think John Reed and Puna Ford are great, but, you know, kind of need those edge rushers too. Um, when you've got all world, all world talent at linebacker and safety and corner, 
you know, it's you'd want to pair it up with a good pass rush, obviously, uh, or ideally, I guess. But um, so, you know, we'll see, we'll see what goes on forward. Moving forward, the Seahawks are supposed to play in eight days in Atlanta. So, you know, we'll see what happens. Uh, John Schneider's made uh, trades before uh, week one. So we'll see what happens. Uh, Chris Carson discussed his contract status. Uh, after Bengals running back Joe Mixon got a four-year, $48 million extension. Uh, when asked if he would like to stay in Seattle, he kind of provided a, I'd kind of say, ominous response. He said, if everything plays out the right way, I guess we'll have to see. It's, you know, not exactly hopeful. Um, Chris has been a guy that I've enjoyed watching. He's been, you know, productive and efficient. Uh, but he has had some issues staying healthy throughout his career so far uh, with his team and with a couple fumbling issues. But, I mean, I, I like him. It just depends on, you know, the money, I guess. Um, but, you know, that's certainly an cent- interesting situation to watch uh, with a guy like Carlos Hyde on the team currently and Rashad Penny, who's he's technically injured right now. It'll be interesting to monitor, uh, you know, and it also, you know, goes back to when the team drafted Rashad Penny, what, you know, the thinking there. So I'd like to sign him, but with that kind of response and the uncertainty going forward, you know, with injury and we'll see how he produces this year, but it's, it's, it's kind of a tough situation. Uh, defensive lineman Brandon Jackson was placed on the in, uh, injured reserve list in order to make room for linebacker Pita Tima Pinu. That was earlier in the week. Uh, and the doctors decided that it would be best if he did not play this year, which is kind of scary. Uh, obviously, if you get knocked out in the game, it's a little scary. But, you know, to kind of have that precautionary measure put on you, it I would say it's a little worrisome. Uh, Pete Carroll doesn't know what that means for him going forward uh, beyond the year. But the, so just currently he's on uh, the IR this year, and it takes away more depth from that defensive line. So defensive line, you know, since the end of the season has been – a you'd think it would be a top priority uh, and it's been addressed in some ways, but at the end of the day right now, a lot of fans are not feeling like they're very confident in what's going on at the moment. Uh, the team held tryouts for center, Justin Britt and Demontre Moore, obviously more signed, but uh, uh, the one to pay attention to is Britt, you know, with the signing of BJ Finney earlier from the Steelers um, and free agency, it would have been, I would have thought personally that Finney would be the starting center and that he, you know, because from what I've read, he's played well in the past and he's been efficient. But for him to be, it was reported that at the first mock game, he was taking third team reps, third team reps behind Ethan Pochich and Kyle Fuller. Kyle Fuller is currently uh, not the Bears Kyle Fuller. It's the center's less guard Kyle Fuller. He was suspended two games for substance abuse. So, you know, it's it's to, to have a guy in for a tryout that she had to cut, it kind of gets awkward and it kind of shows some concern for what's going on there at center. Um, so that'll be a situation to monitor also going forward, you know, in the first game being in eight days. So uh, the NFL and the NFL Players Association changed uh, protocols in order to, mo- the, uh, pardon me, change COVID-19 protocols in order to minimize the chance that an individual could have uh, of missing a game due to a false positive test. 
Uh, an initial positive test will be then followed by two more tests. These tests would be a nasal swab and a uh, point of care test. That one, I'm not exactly sure what it is. Uh, and they can be, they still have to stay away from the team while they're waiting the re- results of those two following tests, but they can be cleared the same day that both these tests come back po- uh, negative. So kind of interesting to see, you know, uh, Matt, Matthew Stafford, the Lions was given a false positive test. And it was interesting to see that, you know, people thought that he was positive. And there was a, a couple of weeks ago, there was a lab uh, that was receiving these tests that had a lot of false positives and it kind of got an uproar and then found out there were false positives. So, you know, it's uh, like I said before, we're in a pandemic that we've never really seen before. So, you know, it's really interesting to see what happens moving forward and the different obstacles that it throws at us as a whole. Uh, the NFL is finaling a, finalizing a artificial crowd noise policy going into the season. The league, in a quote, the league has... Uh, what in the world? Oh, created an audio track that would be played uh, during the games without fans. The league competition committee planned to meet this week, this past week, in order to uh, finalize plans, which includes the maximum decibel level allowed, which will be interesting to monitor. I was thinking about this earlier. Uh, it would be interesting if teams were, you know, per individual stadium, were allowed to have a different, different decibel level due to the fact that some stadiums do get louder than others, you know, so... Because right now, at this point in time, depending on how, you know, how much of an impact that audio track has, it, it you know, it's kind of like everyone playing on a neutral playing field, uh, depending on, you know, the elements, obviously. But that will be also another thing to monitor throughout the season. Uh, five teams will be allowing teams in stadiums at reduced capacities. Uh, the Cowboys, Colts, Jaguars, Chiefs. Oh, I put Jaguars twice. Oops. I think I meant Dolphins there. Pardon me. Uh, Seattle is set to play Dallas at home and Miami away. So it'll be, it'll, you'll, we'll, we'll get a chance to see what's going on with that uh, in the season. The NFL announced that on November 3rd, it will close all team facilities and the league office so that everyone is able to go out and vote. Obviously with uh, the league claiming that it'll take a stance on racial injustice, uh, that's one of the main things that I've seen that actually makes a difference. Uh, the league plans to put end racism and some other uh, saying in one of the, in the end zones this year, which is great and all, but that, you know, if I'm someone, it, it something like that. It's just like, what, what difference does it make? So that's it for NFL news. I say that's it, but I've, you know, that's like 14 minutes of NFL news uh, for our Seahawks. So kind of a packed week. Next up with our local baseball team uh, in a game week recap on Saturday, the uh, versus the angels, they lost uh, 16 to three. This was a tough game because I was just sitting there after a while. I turned it off. Um, I will admit that the lone bright spot was shed long homering in the ninth inning, but I just kept getting the notifications that, the Angels scored and scored and scored. It was like, geez, this, this was like a bad football game uh, in terms of the score-wise. Uh, Sunday versus the Angels, they won 2-1. to one. Uh, It was a win in the 10th. Kyle Lewis homered uh, and scores the winning run uh, driven in by Tim Lopes. Uh, on Monday versus the Angels, uh, they won 2-1 to one again. Marco Gonzalez threw a complete game. 
and Jose Marmaleos homered in the sixth for the get the winning run. Uh, the Athletics versus Mariners series that was supposed to play out from Tuesday to Thursday uh, was postponed because the Athletics had a positive test. So way to go, Oakland. Uh, they were supposed to make up the games with double headers on the September on September fourteenth and twenty sixth. Both of those going to be seventh inning game seven inning games as we've seen earlier before. They were originally play, scheduled to play, like I said, uh, the first through the third. So you know, team kind of got a break day a couple days off uh versus the rangers uh they won six to three last night in the on friday jp crawford homered uh, had three rbis ty france uh new acquisition which i'll get into here in a sec uh was at the defensive uh no designated hitter position had one hit one run and one rbi yusei kikuchi pitched six innings uh had seven strikeouts and one earned run Looking ahead, uh, Saturday through Monday, the team plays at home versus the Rangers. Uh, had uh, There's a two-game series versus the Giants in San Francisco, uh, in Arizona versus the Dimebacks in uh, Friday through Sunday. Um, oh, yes, pardon me. Sorry. I need some water. Shit. Ow, something got my nose. Gross. Okay. Uh, the 31st of August was the MLB trade deadline, and the team made two trades, both of them being to the Padres. Uh, one of them was Taylor Williams, pitcher, to the Padres for uh, a player to be named later, so that'll be something to monitor. Uh, and then they traded Austin Nola, Dan Altavilla, and Austin Adams for Taylor Trammell, who's an outfielder, Ty France, who's an infielder, who I just mentioned, uh, catcher Luis Torrens, who also did play last night, uh, and pitcher Andres Munoz. So just a couple uh, little things to note on those four. Uh, Munoz throws 100 out of the pen regularly uh, and has topped out at 102, uh, but he is coming off of Tommy John surgery, so it'll be uh, something to monitor, seeing how he recovers from that. Ty France is a guy that uh, I don't want to say I'm high on because that just sounds weird, but he's... Uh, Currently batting 310. Uh, and in 2019, he uh, in AAA, he had 79 games played, 118 hits, 51 strikeouts, 89 RBIs, and 27 homers with a 399 average. You know, what, what does that tell you? Uh, he has appeared in 20 games for the Padres this season and is hitting 309. It got bumped up to 310 after last night. And he plays uh, both corners of the infield there. Uh, with Trammell, Trammell's a guy that was kind of the main focus. Uh, he's a top prospect. He was traded by the Cincinnati Reds last year, though, in a three-team deal to the Padres, and was rated as the fifth Padres prospect, Padres pos- prospect, and the 75th overall by ESPN. Here I go, talking about rebuilds again. I saw a lot of people complaining again that we complaining about getting rid of good players. Austin Nola was good. I'll give you that. But he's kind of on the older side, and you get rid of two guys from the bullpen who haven't exactly been stellar for some more young talent to continue to rebuild. I will say it again. Rebuild. We're working to rebuild this team to dominate the majors in a couple years or so. Look at how Houston did it. Obviously, they cheated too, but... If you look at rebuilds, it takes a little bit. It's not going to happen overnight, okay? Let's, let me get that through your head. 
Rebuilds do not happen overnight. Thank you. Uh, but it'll be, I'm, I'm really excited to see how Trammell plays because now in the outfield, it's kind of stacked, really. You've got Kyle already out there being amazing, as usual. Um, Jared Kellenick is a guy who's down at the, uh, he's on the taxi squad, as they're calling it right now, uh, you know, still developing. Julio Rodriguez is a guy that I've been excited to watch, uh, but he's injured right now, uh, hoping for a speedy recovery for him. Uh, and then you add Taylor Trammell to that. So you've got, you know, four pretty good young guys. Obviously, we're still waiting on Mitch Hanniger, uh, who's kind of dealt with some injury stuff, which sucks. But, you know, it's kind of just how things were, kind of things how how things are right now. Uh, and Ty France uh, could potentially take over for Kyle Seeger at third base in the long run. You know, I, I don't want to make any speculation. But if you've got Evan White at first, uh, you know, JP at shortstop and then Shed at second, you know, at some point Kyle Seeger who's already getting up there uh, will need to be replaced. And I feel like Ty France could be that guy. So I, I like the trade. I did like the trade. I did. I was a fan of Nola, um, but you know, send him to a team. He's playing well right now. So why not send him to a team that's going to make the playoffs? So in uh, Seattle Sounders notes, uh, game week recap, on Sunday, the team beat LAFC on the road 3-1. to one. Ooh, Wait a minute. Mm, yes. Uh, Raul Ruiz Diaz scored a goal, and Jordan Morris had a brace, scoring in the 48th and 49th minute. So back-to-back goals. The team has previously not really had much success versus LA. Uh, the only win prior to this game was in the Western Conference Final last year. So, you know, good to go and kick LAFC, uh, kick them around a little bit. And then on Wednesday, they had a draw versus Real Salt Lake 2-2. Two two. Uh, it's another team that, that they haven't really had success against in uh, Real Salt Lake's home stadium. Uh, even without, well, they had a couple of fans in the stadium, I lied. Uh, they were up 2-1 to one before Pablo Ruiz scored an equalizer in the 85th minute. Uh, so, you know, kind of difficult there uh, to just get the one point instead of three. Uh, Nicoladero and Yamar Gomez scored, uh, Gomez scoring his first MLS goal. So good, uh, good for him. Uh, Gustav Svensson uh, was called into the Sweden national team for the national league games in Europa in Europe uh, from UEFA. Uh, the team has not lost the Sounders. Pardon me, has not lost since returning from the MLS's back uh, tournament. Uh, and a little fact from Nico Ladero here has attempted twelve uh, penalties in the MLS regular season. And has scored all twelve, not just this season. This is in his entire MLS regular season career. But you know, good to know that you've got somebody reliable there for uh, penalty kicks. And the next game will be tomorrow, Sunday, the sixth versus Portland at home. So, uh, kind of want to take care of business with Portland after. Well, no, you always want to take care of business against Portland. Is what I'm trying to say. Uh, Seattle Storm news. Kind of got an exciting game last night, but let's get to uh, the other stuff first. Uh, they won versus the Chicago Sky early in the week, 88-74. to 74. Uh, Stewie had 21 points and 8 rebounds. Natasha Howard had a double-double with 17 points and 15 rebounds. And Ezzy Magbagor had uh, 11 points. Epiphany Prince, 10 points off of the bench. So good presence to have, you know, Ezzy Magbagor, Epiphany Prince, and Sammy Whitcomb coming off the bench. Uh, as well as when Subert's healthy, you got Jordan Canada too. So, you know, 
good bench presence is always key for a championship basketball team. Uh, they won versus the Mystics 71 to 64. Subert returned after four game uh, absence, scoring nine points in a return. Stewie had 16 points uh, and 14 rebounds with a the double double there. Jewel Lloyd had 13 points, and Natasha Howard was one short of a double double with uh, 13 points and nine rebounds. Last night, uh, Friday, the team beat the LA Sparks 90 to 89 off of a Jewel Lloyd buzzer beater three to win with 0.8 seconds left. Uh, 0.8. Oh, you know what I'm trying to say. Uh, Drew Lloyd had 25 points that game, so really big game for her, obviously, with a 25 and then the game winner in the corner. It was reviewed after it was scored, uh, just because it was uh, her feet were the the ball, though, no, the back of her feet were really close to the ground, but it was uh, ruled in well, I don't know if it was, it was they let it go, so it was close, but you know, it was not a bounce. Um, and she got it away with plenty of time left, which she got it away with about 0.4 seconds to go. Uh, and Brianna Stewart had 20 points, eight rebounds, nine assists, so playing with a triple double there almost. Uh, and they beat the Sparks, who were 13 and five, which is no, you know, no joke. Uh, you know, being in the second half of the season here, sitting at 15 and three, first in the Western Conference and first in the league, kind of getting ready close to playoff time here. It'll be, uh, Got to, you know, got to keep going. Got to hold on to that first spot there in the Western Conference um, and just t- continue to take care of business. I just had a really embarrassing moment. I was sitting here. I pre- had pressed record, but I didn't realize it. And I sat there for 30 seconds and I look up and it says I'm recording. Anyway, uh, in Seattle Kraken news, which I haven't had the chance to deliver in a little bit, uh, on Monday, the t- the uh, construction crews placed the final structural beam uh, and practice and training facility at Northgate. So, you know, it's uh, just getting us closer to NHL ice and players soon. So, you know, that's it's just a little bit tidbit. Nothing uh, too exciting yet. Uh, the team had put 3 million pounds of structural steel to create the new home of the practice and training center for the Kraken, uh, which was also including a community ice use and engagement. Uh, which includes youth and adult hockey, figure skating, curling, curling, ooh, speed skating, and learn to skate clinics, hockey one on one fan sessions, open skating, community outreach event. It's basically just going to be, uh, really a big help. I think. Obviously, losing Northgate's not ideal. Uh, if you're a Seattleite, I guess. Um, but this is something I feel like that will. The center will put a lot of good into the community i believe at least um because i've said before you know sports have such a big impact uh on people's lives and just for the community so it'll be uh something to it'll be it'll be exciting i really do think it'll be exciting um just to see people because hockey i don't imagine hockey being too much of a thing up here um but to see that and to give um fans something to look forward to it's it's fans and kids and you know it'll be something to look forward to uh the northgate light rail station is planned to be completed by september 21 so that'll be ready the training facility should be ready and so will the stadium so fall of next year baby hockey old-time hockey okay uh in huskies athletic news i do have some stuff after not really having anything last week 
Uh, the Pac-12 announced a plan to implement daily COVID testing with an eye towards the safe resumption of competitions. This is a big, you know, kind of big news, uh, which could potentially give hope for a season as well as other conferences. But personally, with me, I find it difficult to see how colleges uh, and call it to see how colleges react uh, to, you know, the responsibility level that I believe is needed to stay COVID free in a pandemic like this. Pardon me for my chair squeaks. I don't know why it's like that. Um, but, you know, to go back a couple of weeks to the Kima Severin thing with the Seahawks where he tried to sneak a girl into the team hotel and disguise her as a player, it, it, it takes a certain level of responsibility and, you know, you just got to kind of be thinking about the team. You're putting yourself at risk and you're putting the team at risk. You know, everyone, pretty sure everyone wants the season to continue, whether they think that it's going to happen or not. I'm pretty sure everyone wants it to happen. At this point, it's just about making sure that we do everything in our power to continue to make sure that it happens. You know, so that's that's my bit on it. Uh, nearly half of the Power 5 schools have not disclosed their COVID-19 test data, which is kind of sketchy. Uh, in this pandemic, it just kind of shows everyone who has, you know, logic and everyone who's just kind of being a dork. Uh, and Big Ten news, it's not necessarily our Huskies, but it does kind of relate to the college football season. Uh, presidents from the Big Ten say that a fall football start date ain't happening. Those are the words exactly from the quote. Uh, and then Penn State Director of Athletic Medicine says that MRIs reveal that 30 to 35% of those Big Ten athletes who had tested positive for the coronavirus have myocarditis. I don't know if I said that right, but myocarditis is an inflammation of the middle layer of the heart wall. Anything relating to the heart is automatically important to me, so I don't want to ruin that. It's a severe, uh, a severe case of it can weaken the heart, lead to heart failure, abnormal heartbeat, and sudden death. It is considered to be rare. So, you know, and then I read that a spokesperson from their university said that these comments by my, made by the team docker, docker, doctor were inflated. So it's like I can, like I said earlier, this pandemic, we don't know too much about this, let alone the long-term effects of it. So it's, I just err on the side of caution. Try not to go and get the virus. Please wear a mask. Please social distance. Not that hard. Uh, and then in college hoops, uh, college hoops potentially could start in November. The basketball oversight committee proposed a starting date of November 25th. That's just a proposition. So like I said, it takes all of us to just, regardless of you want to wear it or not, I don't necessarily like having the thing on my face. I do it. I've had to work and I wear the damn thing all day. Not that hard, you know? that's this week. Uh, not necessarily going to be the longest episode I've ever had, but there was a lot to go through. So, you know, that's good. Uh, it's a lot different from where we were in May and uh, April. So it's good to have those things back uh, going for us again. Um, but, you know, some things to note are just Seahawks starting up soon. Should be. Uh, Mariners continue to play their season. Sounders playing their season. Storm getting ready for playoffs here soon. Um, Kraken still kind of on wait uh, for them, but, you know, continue to be yourself out there. Black Lives Matter, you know, wear your damn mask. I mean, I don't know what else you need me to say, but 
Uh, I'm working on a couple of things. If you're to this point, normally I keep things quiet, but uh, I'm working on a couple of things. Uh, so any support that I can get helps, you know, at the end of the day, my goal is to make this a career, not necessarily the podcast itself, but sports journalism as a whole. So I'm still learning. I'm not the best at it, but I want to thank all my O'Day brothers out there who are supporting me, my parents, uh, my family, my friends out there, anyone I, you know, anyone that shows support, I do appreciate it greatly because everyone's got their dream and this is my dream. So thank you uh, and take care of yourself out there. Be safe.